Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Okay, guys, the Weak Side podcast is back and uh, a little bit of a quiet time in the NFL. We're recording this on Monday at around 2 o'clock, and I would say, Jenny, that the biggest news right now is probably the reveal of Ben Roethlisberger's new facial hair, which I cannot see on Twitter anyway because I am prevented from doing so. I am blocked by Big Ben, so unable to see the beard. So I say we talk about the Michael Jordan documentary a little bit, but with an NFL twist. What do you think about it? I'm also blocked, Connor. I was totally <laughs> unaware of the facial hair reveal until you just mentioned it. So there you go. Surprises for everybody. Um, so I, I, we did not watch the Michael Jordan documentary, but our esteemed colleagues over on the basketball side at Sports Illustrated have done such an excellent job of covering the entirety of it um, that I feel like there are three sort of central tenets to the documentary that I want to put a football spin on, and I'm very interested to hear um, your thoughts on this. The first is that there sort of seems to be a late arriving consensus that not that Michael Jordan is overrated, but that the view of his him um, kind of twists the narrative on him a little bit, makes him a little bit um, more maniacal maybe than we've uh, seen before, a little pettier um, than we might have noticed, and just something that kind of changes um, 
the narrative on on a on a celebrity that we've idolized and known a lot about. So that's that's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is it it also shined a light on some players who are serially underrated. Um, Scottie Pippen comes to mind from that Bulls team as somebody who um, we don't talk enough about in terms of his contributions and his value and everything like that. And the third is um, our Chris Mannix has a great SI Daily cover-up today on Jerry Krause, who is the general manager of that team and seems to be completely misunderstood over the course of time. Uh, Michael Jordan was apparently very cruel to him in that documentary, especially just how the Bulls ended, how everything broke up, and how it was hard to keep the dynasty together. And Krause received a lot of the blame for that. But was he rightfully blamed for that or is he kind of uh, just a, a, a convenient punching bag so i'm going to kind of feed them to you in in those three different contexts and we're going to kind of try to come up with some uh, football equivalents to that what do you think sounds like a fun exercise connor i'm ready for it okay cool so the first one i think we're going to do is the most underrated player or person, or executive, um, a, a Scotty Pippen type that when we look back at our kind of era of football, around the time that maybe we started covering it, or we can go back even further too if we want, but um, you know, say a documentary gets made one day about this time and place, and, and, and somebody comes up, and uh, you know, a lot more people think about this person maybe than we did as reporters, or as the lay fan thinks about, who, would, who comes to mind for you there? Well, I was going to say Tom Flores is underrated because he is perennially passed up for the Hall of Fame, thought he had a chance of getting in in this blue ribbon class. Instead, uh, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson were chosen over him, and really his accomplishments stand on their own. I mean, he won Super Bowls as a player, an assistant coach, as a head coach, pretty remarkable tenure uh, in the NFL, also the first Hispanic starting quarterback, and uh, importantly, especially given the conversation that's going on today about the lack of minority hiring, he was the first minority head coach uh, to win a Super Bowl. So really a trailblazer in a lot of ways. But you said this current year, Connor. So I'm going to throw out Andy Reid. Now, I know Andy Reid is fresh off of a Super Bowl and we are all fetting him. But leading up to the Super Bowl, the narrative was Andy Reid has to win a big this game. He finally has to win the Super Bowl to cement his legacy. And I hate those lines of thinking anyway, but I particularly hate it in the context of Andy Reid. What he's done for NFL offenses has been so transformational. And even if he had not won this Super Bowl, uh, he's one of the most influential coaches in NFL history. What he's done in terms of leading the transformation of current NFL offenses, I wrote a story a couple years ago about how he took his West Coast offense that he had run his whole career and melded the college principles that were coming up through the ranks, basically built an offense for Patrick Mahomes before he even had Patrick Mahomes on his roster. Um, And his coaching tree, obviously, he's had a lot of success in assistants who have gone on to head coaching roles. But I think the way he champions the people who work under him really sets him apart and particularly notable right now is the way that he has gone to bat for Eric Bieniemy. He's had conversations with people around the league, like, "What more can I do to make sure Eric gets a chance?" Like, it bothers him as a coach who grew up in, you know, with the principles of Bill Walsh. Like, he believes those through and through, and it bothers him that Eric Bieniemy is 
been passed up for head coaching opportunities. So I just think that the the so many things that Andy Reid represents were, had long been minimized until he won a Super Bowl. And now that he has it, those conversations have quieted a bit. But I felt like until February 2nd, was it February 2nd, February mm-hmm. 4th? Um, I felt like the conversation around Andy Reid was a little bit unfair. That's interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that it's so funny how this era just will totally shape and change our perception. They're going to be kids that are just buying their first Patrick Mahomes jersey who have no idea about the Andy Reid of the nine, the 90s and 2000s and the Eagles. And even though he had a tremendous run of success there, it seems like this could be uh, the first chapter of uh, an entirely different phase of his career that could be, I don't know. I mean, a, a new generation of fans is going to think of him as almost Belichickian, whereas we thought of him for so long as, I don't know, um, a less successful Mike Holmgren even or something like that. That's exactly right. Maybe this was the first of many championships. I mean, certainly with Patrick Mahomes, it looks like he's has the potential for a Brady Belichick type era here. But we remember the earlier times when the clock management narratives and the you know the jokes about not being able to get to the Super Bowl or win in the Super Bowl and have followed him throughout his career they really haunted him so it was great to see him overcome that hump but i just i i you know i feel like there was a long period of time where one of the smartest uh greatest coaches in NFL history was really his contributions were minimized yeah really fascinating um i'm going to go with it, This is going to cheat a little bit because his last year was your first year, I think, of covering football. So it still fits in the window. Um, I missed him by two years, covering him by two years. But I think if the story of the whatever modern NFL is retold again and we look back on players who've had an incalculable effect both on the field and off the field, I think not enough people talk about work done. What do you think about that? Running back for the Falcons. That's a great selection. He was also at our Sports Person of the Year dinner. He was honored for his community work. Yeah, so Work Done, for those who don't know, um, the Work Done Charities, uh, which is phenomenal to me. I mean, uh, provides homes for single-parent families, which was something that was near and dear to his heart. And I just checked uh, the website, actually, before we started recording. And so he established this charity, uh, Home for the Holidays, back in 1997. Almost 175 homes have now been built for single-parent families. Like, that's incredible. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson was one of them. That was someone that we always talk about as a beneficiary of that. But, you know, in today's day and age, I don't think enough emphasis is placed on just that type of, not anonymous, because we know that he's doing it, but not in the kind of way that a lot of other people give. You know what I mean? Like nowadays, everyone wants attention for it. And I don't think I've ever read like a big, huge feature or long interview that he's done where he's bragging about it. I think he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty remarkable work. But you're also picking him for the football aspect too, right, Connor? I am. So this is interesting. I did not know this, but so Work Done had 5,000-yard rushing seasons. Um, 
one is late into uh, his age 30 and 31 years, both of which he had uh, 1,100 and 1,400 yards rushing, which I thought was super impressive. And then every year of his career, except for three of them, he had 37 or more catches. And this is in an era, I think, when the receiving back or a back with Dunn's very specific skill set was just overlooked and totally pigeonholed. And I think that had he been playing today, we would be talking about a Christian McCaffrey type or, you know, someone who is perpetually sort of leading the league in stats. And so I think, unfortunately, maybe the total concept of Dunn does not line up with his charitable work in the eyes of the lay fan. But I think you have to contextualize his stats in the time period plus charity work and i think you have a wonderfully underrated individual on and off the field it's a very compelling and complete argument connor well done <laughs> i would and to think i didn't make the debate team i tried out in high school and i didn't i didn't get in yeah were you I know, de- we didn't really have a debate team we had we didn't have debate we had a mock trial Oh, mock trial. Okay, yeah. I don't know if we had that either. We must have. Um, I was doing some of the various science-type competitions. But um, mock trial would have been a good one. Would have uh, served us well in these roles as journalists, perhaps, or columnists, or whatever the case may be. Most certainly. Um, Okay, so give me your your Jerry Krause. So Jerry Krause was the architect of this Bulls team and really just kind of spent the entirety of the Jordan documentary getting banged by Jordan for being a a terrible executive, uh, wasn't able to defend himself, um, obviously. But I think a lot of people, including our Chris Mannix, have kind of come to his defense and said, you know, you got to understand this guy a little bit better. I think it's more complicated than that. Who do you think is sort of this great misunderstood figure of our time, maybe someone who uh, gets banged a lot but doesn't deserve to be banged as much as they are. I would say Cam Newton falls into this category, Connor. Now, certainly there have been some bumps in Carolina, notably, you know, criticizing a reporter's question, saying it was funny when women ask about routes was one that really, of course, bothered me. But um, overall, I feel like he takes on a lot of criticism that he doesn't deserve, whether it be for his post-game attire, which I find colorful and interesting. And, you know, the kinds of outfits that like in the NFL are celebrated or in, excuse me, in the NBA are celebrated, but in the NFL are somehow looked at as like weird and comical. Um, And also where he's at right now, you know, struggling to find a team, obviously he's coming off of a couple bumpy years of injury, but certainly the, the struggles of teams figuring out exactly how to use him, uh, exactly how to protect him. Um, It's like he's this phenomenal talent that came into the league, and I worry that when his career is over, we'll just kind of say that no one really made the most out of his abilities and the special talents that he brings. I totally believe that the athletic prime of maybe the most complete athlete we've ever seen in the NFL was totally squandered in Carolina, which sucks. You know what I mean? That's totally, totally unfortunate. And I remember um, we weren't working together at the time. I was working for the NFL, but the year that they were in the Super Bowl and he did that press conference where he said, the NFL has never seen anything like me before. And that was interpreted in so many different ways. But I think the one that never really hit home for anybody is the fact that he was right. I don't think that we have seen anything like him, and I don't think we will see anything like him for a very long time. 
it's frustrating to continually see quarterbacks or players in general, but largely quarterbacks come into the league and coaches just be completely unable to make the most and adapt to a unique skill set. And um, I agree, Connor. I thought that comment was really taken out of context. And I, it's definitely true. Like he, he walks into a room and he's just like this unique body type, this unique combination of, of talent and ability and, and intellect. You know, that year that he went to the Super Bowl, one of the big reasons was Ron Rivera essentially opened up the offense to Cam Newton as he would Peyton Manning, as how Rivera put it. You know, they gave him this ability to control things at the line of scrimmage that he never had before, and that really resulted in their run that year. So I think he doesn't get enough credit in a lot of ways. And we always say, like, if you were – we we played that game in MMQB meetings before, if you could pick – a roster or one player to make an entire roster out of who would be the player. And the answer is always Cam Newton because he could play so many positions, quarterback, tight end. You could probably put him at tackle if you, if you really wanted to, I mean, right. (laughs) Definitely defensive end, you know, like obviously it's hard to think of one player that could fit in so many different positions, but that's the, you know, I don't know that there's anyone that would come closer than Newton. Do you think, um, and this is kind of a random aside, but he is a free agent, and I think it's worth asking the question. I mean, do you think that we will ever see anything close to the 2015 season from him again? And do you think anybody's going to have the imagination and the patience and the financial financial wherewithal to be able to maximize him at some point before it's too late? I'm hopeful that we still might see another act from Newton, but it's far from a certainty. You know, at this point, with the injuries and with the current restrictions, he's just kind of hanging out there unsigned and clearly would like to continue playing. And I think it's fair to expect to land on a team somewhere this year. But will the same, you know, institutional problems that have kind of prevented his full you know, blossoming throughout his career to change. I I don't know, Connor. That's hard to say at this point in time. Yeah. Um, And it's funny. I mean, out of all of the players, like my mind just keeps going back to, you know, all the coordinators, all the, uh, you know, I don't know. I would love to see just somebody grab hold of him. And you know who he reminds me of? Like um, like, a, like a Randall Cunningham second act, right? Randall Cunningham had that great first act with the Eagles, um, but still I think was misunderstood in his time, a little bit miscast. And then he gets to come back um, in his late 30s with the Vikings and Randy Moss um, and Chris Carter and have that sort of dream season. Um, I think they were 15-1 and one that year, and then they lost in the playoffs. But, you know, just something like that. I would love to see cam get one more kind of go at that because he is just so much fun to watch when he's playing at his best that would really be a, a fun sight to behold and i i think it's still possible to, to to expect that that might happen so mine i'm gonna do a little bit of a 180 um but i think this also fits in line with um one of the many uh firm official stances of this show which is a pro dimes a danny dimes podcast i'm gonna say that dave gettleman is one of the great misunderstood characters of his time what say you 
That I agree, Connor. It is an interesting pairing <laughs> with Newton and Gettleman, both in different uh, in the same category here. But um, but I agree. I think uh, I I will let you explain. But I think there's been a lot of jokes, and I think a lot of it's kind of gotten out of hand in terms of Gettleman. I think that he is of a different era, certainly. Um, I think that he is was kind of trying to play a long con joke on a lot of us. I think that he likes to needle us, but we are in a time and place where uh, friendly needling, I think, is just impossible. It, it doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, unless you're intimate friends with somebody, right? I don't, I don't think that anybody get, gets the joke or bothers to get the joke anymore. It's just not the right time or place. I think that's true, and I think we're also in this it's so f- easy to make fun of people for, oh, they're old and they're not technologically literate. Oh, okay, boomer, like this whole culture of that. But I mean, there are certain things that like if you've done something a certain way and it works, there's not necessarily a reason to change it. It doesn't mean you don't adopt new things into your routine. But my father was a professor for, gosh, I, don't, I want to four decades at least he worked in industry first and then he became a professor so he was a professor for a really long time and toward the end of his career before he retired he was still doing certain things the same way he still had his students take handwritten notes and write out the chemical engineering equations in their notebooks because he felt like that was the best way for them to learn that was a part of the process that did not need to be digitized or computerized or made into some kind of fancy technology thing. That was a way that he thought was the best way for students to learn and shouldn't be something they should take a shortcut around. And I think probably there were students that toward the, you know, toward the end thought this was kind of a strange approach and who knows what they were telling their friends about it. But I do think it's okay to hold on to older ways of doing things. It doesn't mean that you're totally resistant to analytics or computers or whatever jokes he's played into. Um, But yes, everything he does kind of has been cast as fitting into that narrative. And, you know, he said um, he knows what a Super Bowl team looks like and smells like was really one of the comments that he got made fun of for the most. And, but I think that the way that he kind of nudged that Panthers roster into that Super Bowl was not something that any general manager could do. I mean, of course you had Cam Newton, um, but like we talked about, not really a coaching staff, I think that fully understood his capabilities often on the offensive side of the ball. And the additions that he made to that roster were really smart, you know, and not necessarily guys who would come in immediately and blow you away statistically. But I think he did a lot of emotional lifting in that locker room that year. I think some of the guys that he brought in, like Peanut Tillman, Jericho Cotchery, um, you know, Jared Allen were huge in terms of just the, just the makeup of that team that got as far as it did. And, uh, I don't know. Is that going to be hard to do in New York? Yes. Um, is it more of a difficult roster situation that he's inherited? Yes. Um, is there more attention on everything that he's doing now, uh, more scrutiny than ever before? Yes. But I think that he's a better general manager uh, in general than than he gets credit for. Yeah, I think that we should definitely give him a little bit more leash than he's gotten in New York. Everything even can even including his putting on a mask during the draft. Yeah. It's been like, it's just been a quick, easy joke for people. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of old after a while. I can imagine how frustrating that might be. 
Do you think um, I, my my dad was talking about? I, I think it's reached him because I think it was a clue on Jeopardy recently. Um, is that OK Boomer has sort of reached the boomers? They now understand what's going on here. Do you think that? Um, do you think there's hope to to bridge the generational divide between boomer and non boomer? Wow, that was a question I wasn't expecting on today's <laughs> show, Connor. Is there hope? Um, you know. I don't know, Connor. Some of the narratives during this COVID pandemic about the older generation have been pretty depressing, I have to say. Yeah, I will say, though, that I did get um, sort of a like a B12 shot of hope from... Did, have you seen the commercial of the woman who was born um, during the 1920 pandemic and she's still alive for this one um, or something like that? And she was just giving words of encouragement. It's like, that was lovely. We should We should... We should do more of that, you know, intergenerational advice, storytelling, giving and taking, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Wisdom that has been Wisdom. earned over the years. I have not seen that commercial, but that sounds wonderful, Connor. Yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Okay, so the third one, I think, is going to be the most fun. Let's be real. Um, uh, we're not pessimists. or Well, we are pessimists and we are cynics. And so this part does kind of scratch an itch a little bit for me. But um, at the same time, I think it's good to, you know, take take anyone down a peg a little bit. Um, who is your Michael Jordan in a sense that... You know, they're undisputably great, uh, of course. I mean, you know, whether they're Hall of Fame level or, you know, they're roundly praised, whatever it is. But maybe if you saw a 10-part documentary on their life, you would say, yeah, it's uh, not not as great as I thought. Well, in the overrated category, and here's another interesting transition from Gettleman to this, but... um, I put down Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> so again, we're really killing the transitions here. Um, not so much for a biography about his life, but just once he made that catch in November 2014, immediately the trajectory of his career was altered. And in fairness to him, like I don't think he was ready for it. I don't think he asked for it. He made a catch that was phenomenal and was praised as it should be. But it changed kind of the frame of reference for his career. And because of that one fantastically athletic move and this dramatic moment that played out on national television, everything changed. And you could argue that he hasn't really lived up to it since. You know, he's been on one winning team, uh, 2016. That ended with the infamous boat trip and an early loss in the playoffs. He was traded to the Browns. He was the subject of further trade rumors this offseason. So I think he's, again, in fairness to him, has been put in a position where he's kind of had to try to live under the shadow of his own making from the catch. But I would say that the results do not really back up the aura that he was kind of, that was created around him very early on in his career. I envision myself, if I'm still lucky enough to be writing about football 10 or 15 years from now, writing a really bad essay on how much fun it was to watch him, but maybe, unfortunately, that we never got to see him as that central pillar of a Super Bowl team or whatever it is. But And that seemed impossible like three or four years ago because you know there was a point in his career where we both saw closely that, I mean, he was literally inventing moves on the field to get out of coverages that were designed specifically to stop him. And now we're at this place where everything just seems a little more, I don't know, pedestrian. And, and that's not necessarily his fault. That's injuries and teammates and quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But it just sucks when things happen that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's been kind of this runaway narrative that's definitely not of his own making, but there are parts that have contributed to it. You know, the uh, certain behaviors and certain chaos uh, during games and different interactions and 
you know, it's uh, it's been a total whirlwind. And um, I'm with you, Connor. It's very possible that we never really see the fruits of what we thought we were certainly going to see in November 2014, right? We thought we were certainly going to see this uh, player that could change the course of a franchise um, that would, you know, be a star in Super Bowls. And now, I don't know. I mean, I, and certainly this plays into the conversation about is a number one ride receiver essential to winning a Super Bowl? And I think we both land on the same side of no, that's not. So perhaps being in that position, you you face a, it's not like, you know, being a, a star quarterback where you have total control over the situation. But I don't know. I, I feel like we're, we're about to, uh, I don't know. We're potentially, we'll see some unfilled early potential or whatever the early hype that is never fully measured up to. What's more likely in your mind that Odell Beckham wins a Super Bowl or that I'm still writing about football in 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Connor. Wow. Um, I plead the fifth. I don't, I don't think answering that question can really help me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. Um, so mine, I'm going to broaden a little bit from our show notes. Um, and that my, what I initially texted to you immediately was Peyton Manning. Um, and I said, of course, you know, I think a 10 part documentary about Peyton Manning would land similarly, um, to our ears as a Jordan one. If we were to get the right amount of dissenting voices and if Peyton was, I think, free to express himself uh, the way that Jordan did in this documentary, I think we would come away with a similar feel. But I'm going to broaden that to really the the three or four quarterbacks of our era, and that's whatever, Breeze, Peyton, Brady, Eli. Um, I think we just, like, there's so much emphasis put on their greatness, which is true, but not enough, I don't think, on like we talked about almost bringing it full circle with Cam Newton where it's like how many of these other players could have been there if they were in good situations, if they had parents who could navigate the draft for them, if they had, you know, uh, landed with a creative coach who was about to change the way that we look at offense in the NFL. I mean, you know, there's so many of these like little variables that I think get overlooked in the league all the time. And uh, not enough people look at those quarterbacks. We're just so quick to label that a bust and not lazy coaching, you know, and I think that that's part of the reason why there's all these revered great quarterbacks and there's all these just like discarded trash quarterbacks in the pile. That's really interesting. It's it's definitely been the age of the quarterback and as you pointed out the the coach partnership is as important as anything yeah and that's going back to you know i mean we've all learned this this is an elemental part of football i mean friday night lights coach taylor benches matt saracen uh for jd mccoy and then who does he need to go back to the one guy that he understands inside and out the person who he knows his character and then they have great success together and you know that's the lesson that all coaches need, learned over time but apparently they forget sometimes when they get into the big chair and thus we have the the patents of the world where we we have to bow to them and say that they're the greatest quarterbacks ever and then you know what happened to poor christian ponder you know or, or blaine gabbert i'm sure that they were good you know but maybe they just didn't get matt leinert vince young you know maybe they just didn't get the the shot that they deserved the NFL story is full of what ifs, Connor. 
if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, is what my dad always likes to say. <laughs> Maybe that Man. would have been his response to this segment. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's true in so many facets. You know, I was reporting a little bit this weekend about the NFL's minority incentive potential proposal that they would incentivize minority hiring and just talking about so many of the flaws in the process that have plagued the league for years and someone said you know how many Mike Tomlins have we missed out on because of these unequal playing fields for minority coaches so how many Mike Tomlins have we missed out on and maybe there could have been great coaches that paired with other quarterbacks and uh, lots of unknowns Lots of unknowns, but I think what we're trying to say is that people should hire Jenny and I to run your franchise. I think Jenny would be general manager, uh, owner, uh, chief operator, and then I would fill in in kind of a um, you know a complimentary administrative role without too much responsibility, um, but j- just enough to get my oh, name in the please. program. That's actually why I didn't answer the question earlier if you'd be work- <laughs> writing about football in 10 years, Connor, because my prediction is that you're going to own a team, but I didn't really want to out you like that in case <laughs> that wasn't your dream. So just to close the loop on that. Would um, would you, like, let's say I stumbled upon... Ownership? Yeah, what what does one need to run a team now? A cool $3 billion, right? You need to be male and white, so you've checked the first two <laughs> categories. Listen, there a lot of respect to there are a handful of non-male, non-white owners and much respect to all of them. But we all know that it's largely an old boys club and it's difficult for leadership roles to go to anyone who do not meet those true criteria. And uh, it's very hard to break into. So my odds are, are long, Connor. But yes, I mean, another hurdle is the uh, is the three billion. Is so the, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. So let's say I, you know, I invent, you know, the next Dairy Queen or something like that. And I've got some money to I got some money to spend. Would you would you run day to day operations? Like, would you be essentially the head of the organization? Would I mean, you I would that? I would work with you in any capacity, Connor. Fantastic. Maybe I could uh, I, I, I consider a lot of different roles. Oh, that, see, I'd run, I'd run the cafeteria. That sounds interesting. Uh, I'd work at the front desk. Lots of people who have interesting roles throughout the organization. Jenny and I, for those who don't know, also have some dynamite plans for a vegan taqueria. So, yeah. Um, so when you said the next Dairy Queen, I was kind of wondering if you'd abandon our vegan taqueria plans for something far more decadent. And I was beginning to feel a little bit worried that I was being cut out of your plan here sort of the vegan it's going to be the the dairy queen of vegan taquerias is kind oh, of what i'm saying okay yeah, great so. all right i feel a little bit reassured <laughs> we all need a backup plan these days connor and so i was worried that our big backup plan had just fallen through i've already got the location scouted out uh we've both been roasting a serious amount of vegetables That's during true. the quarantine uh your your pan of roasted vegetables that you sent me the other day was pristine might have been the most beautiful pan of roasted vegetables i've ever seen in my life well, thanks, Connor. Yes, just practicing, and we're going to have to brush up our protocols for contactless delivery and the like. So, uh, but you know, I have I have optimism. Yeah, I would say that the sun uh, the sun is on the horizon. Everything is is good. But yeah, thank you guys for joining us for our uh, once part one of our two weekly uh, episodes for the Weekside Podcast, and we'll be back on uh, Thursday to uh, catch you up before the weekend.
The MQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.